Hi, welcome to Coded in Canada, a podcast about technology leaders in Victoria. I'm your host, Sean Crabtree. Today, we're going to be talking with Raman Kapil, who has over two decades of business experience and an accountant by trade. He was most recently a CFO at the South Island Prosperity Project, and now is with his uh, own company, Mark R Management, which provides uh, various levels of government and corporate clients unique IT solutions. Welcome, Raman. Morning, Sean. Nice to be here. So, Raman, um, maybe we could start with just giving a little bit of history. Um, where did you grow up? Where did you go to university? I grew up in a beautiful place called Mumbai in India. I, I immigrated to Canada in 1991. I started um, working uh, in, in the field of Autodesk or AutoCAD, uh, providing CAD uh, services throughout Victoria, and ended up buying the company, running it for about 23-odd years, sold it, um, went back to school, got some more business education, uh, got my MBA, got um, um, chartered director designation, and then became a chartered uh, professional accountant. So uh, I balanced my business experience with with theoretical knowledge. And tell us about your family. Um, were you always entrepreneurial? Uh, is this something that's new in the family? Um, uh, no, from my mom's side, I, I guess I'm the third generation business person. Um, from my dad's side, he was more, he was a corporate lawyer, so he was, he was more working in industry, which uh, I knew from early on in my life that uh, I'm not going to do. <laughs> but my personal family, I have uh, a beautiful wife and two young boys. And uh, uh, one of the main um, motivating factors for me is any jobs that I take um, involve me leaving work at two o'clock so that I can go pick up my kids. That's fantastic. I don't mind starting at four in the morning as long as I'm home by two. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, and so how long have you been doing that for? Um, 11 years now. Wow. That's, that's, that's a sign of success. I would say, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Balancing your mental health with business life is a very important aspect of, of success. And, uh, tell us a little bit about your, uh, your first and, and one of your longest, uh, career, uh, points here with, at Island Key Computer. Yeah. So Island Key Computer, that's, uh, that's where, um, we used to provide, uh, engineering software solutions to, Various levels of government, and uh, and in 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 the early nineties, um, it was most of the drawings. GIS was still evolving and growing, and most folks would be uh, drawing by hand. Mapping was done by on digitizers, and and uh, engineers all across town would be using these huge twenty four by thirty six digitizers um, to do do a plans for housing elevation and um, and such. Mm -hmm. So. And that is what I had training in uh, back in India. So I, I, I remember a funny story that uh, I'd never done sales before in my life. I, I was just a technical guy, but um, I, I, I was having lunch and, and there was a very famous local architect uh, who was sitting next to me and uh, he, uh, he started asking who I was and what I do. And I explained to him this thing called AutoCAD that I work on and, and how we do plans. And he goes, you know what, this is just a fad, it will go away. I've been in business for 30 years and technology will never replace people. Mm -hmm. I said, great, excellent. 
So uh, his his name was Ray Goldsworthy, and and Ray asked me to come to his office and do a small little demonstration. And in those days, uh, all the CAD hardware used to be huge, and uh, so I moved. I hired a moving company, moved everything <laughs> over to his office. We did this uh, small little competition because his draftsmen were very, very good. Mm -hmm. And so we took this plan of a house that uh, I actually know where that house is, so won't speak too much about that. But <laughs> but it was quite funny because he said, okay, all right, you and my, my uh, draftsmen are going to draw this from scratch. So perfect, not a problem. And there was a bet of a beer at the end of this whole thing. So that was my motivator, of course, in those days. <laughs> and and so I said, okay, all right. So I drew the the uh, the outline of this of this of this plan, and uh, the draftsman had actually completed everything. He he just blew me out of the water. He was so much faster. <laughs> and then something happened. I asked him. I asked Ray. So what happens next? What's the next process? And he explained to me. Now we will go in and we'll present this to the client and the client will come back and the client will say, you know, perhaps move this wall. We don't like the shape of the roof. So I said, okay, all right, let's assume that's happened. Let's move these three walls and, and change the roof. He goes, yeah, let's do that. Guess what? I was done in under a minute and his, and his tech was working on it for another 35, 40 minutes. And that was my first sale. <laughs> How many did he buy from you? Well, one was enough in those days. How <laughs> <laughs> better it was. Wow. So I've seen technology start from um, the mainframe evolve onto personal computers. Right. And now going back into the cloud, which is the natural progression um, to artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. where it's going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about uh, marker management. Where did that transition come from, Island Key? We'll throw up that. Well, it was um, it was it was done for uh, accounting reasons at one time as well, right? You know, so we divided Island Key into into two companies, Island Key and Markar, ah. and then uh, I took on Markar. Okay. So uh, and um, and and because I was not technical by that time in two thousand five, um, I decided to just um, be more business focused. So um, I I I remained in business development, analyzing business, being strategic about business. And mm -hmm. of course, uh, my strong suit is the financial aspect so, uh, of business. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit more about that, that uh, strong aspect, since a lot of us haven't, uh, on this show, uh, had someone with a CFO or accounting background. Um, so what are the strengths uh, of that that you could share with people who don't have that? You know, understanding and differentiating uh, between an idea and a business is is very important for entrepreneurs. Um, it is wonderful to start with an idea, obviously. And once you get to that idea uh, or, or the idea bought into or, or field tested, you need to get to the next level. And the next level is where you bring, a, bring in a gray hair like me, take a look at how you're going to strategically hire folks and, and and think in terms of cash flow. The biggest issue that I feel that I've seen in companies that I've worked with, uh, whether they're in not-for-profit sector or the regular um, uh, for-profit sector, 
is leaders start treating their companies as ATMs. Mm -hmm. They do not understand how to be strategic with cash flow. They do not understand how to, to look at income statements or, you know, either they go and, and, and speak to an accountant and, and just get some very high level, very basic information, mm -hmm. but they do not understand the basics of business. Mm -hmm. uh, it is important whether you, if once you cross the million dollar range mm -hmm. to have a financial officer to help the CEO, mm -hmm. without a CFO, you really cannot get to the next stage. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the biggest differences that you will notice between successful companies and successful ideas. What does the CFO provide at that key point? Uh, strategic uh, uh, partnership in, in strategy. Mm -hmm. So what happens is if you strategize without having a plan, um, you do, and, and plan including HR, leveraging your assets, and you know your assets in, in, in most cases are your people, mm -hmm. right? Your IP, your people, your your clients and your contractors. Mm -hmm. So when when folks do not um, understand how to leverage that and strategize and 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 control your growth and create a growth path, which the CFO generally brings to the CEO and works hand in hand with the CEO. That's interesting. I've never thought of a CFO role as strategic planning. I've always thought of it more as coming out of accounting. Exactly. Uh, versus strategy. And so when someone uh, takes a master's in, uh, in those graduate courses as a CFO, do they, they have graduate courses in strategy? Yes. Yeah, so, so a very good question. So, CF, so when you look at an accountant, an accountant helps you manage your money, mm -hmm. manage your taxes. Bean counters. Well, it's there more than that. So, well, you have bookkeepers, Slightly. you have bookkeepers, you have accountants, and then you have CFO. So I recently did the CFO training through the CPA BC uh, chapter, um, and it's it's uh, you're right. So we think more about the HR aspect, more about the growth, more about marketing, more about you know everything that requires the company to be financially stable is a CFO. Mm. So we are the soundboard for the CEO. Whether we want to grow um, a section of the company, spin out a section, or buy another section, a successful organization cannot do that without um, a smart CFO. Hmm. What are some of the influences that you've, you've had in your life? Uh, are there some books that stand out or public speakers? You know, every experience that you have with people makes you a better person. You learn uh, from every person you meet in the in the in the business aspect, some that you want to be better than, some you want to learn from. So um, there is one book that that was um, extremely uh, influential for me, um, and it's it said measure what matters, and um, measure what matters talks in terms of full disclosure um, from the top down bottom up perspective. Mm -hmm. So not only should every person in the industry or in your organization have objectives, but they also have to have predefined goals. Mm -hmm. So uh, objectives are great, but unless you can measure them. So uh, cannot coast, right? In 2018, you cannot expect to behave as if it was 1918, where you've, you've had your education 
and you, you get to a job and then you coast until you retire. It doesn't happen. So education now is a constant. So you continue learning, you continue getting better, and that's how you help. Mm-hmm. Recently, I was at, at a conference and uh, somebody introduced this concept of BG for me. He said, you know, if anybody asks you age, you have to talk in terms of BG. So what's BG? He said, before Google and after <laughs> Google. So, wow. so you have to say, you know, you're 20 BG or 10, 10 AG. So the concept was great because this person was um, a CFO of a l- rather large uh, organization. And, and uh, his point was very valid. He said, in the past, we would hire folks who had who had education and experience. Those were the two factors that were important. And based on those factors, you would say, all right, let's let's see if this person can do something for me and give him or her a task. And they will do the research based on what they were taught. It was the old library style of getting information. Mm-hmm. Whereas today, the new employees that we require do not have three days to create a report for you. You do need that report by the end of the day. You mm-hmm. do need some information that you're basing some analysis on, perhaps sooner than that. Mm-hmm. So what do people do? They use Google. But using Google the right way is important. You have to have base knowledge to look for more knowledge. Mm-hmm. You cannot chase shiny objects. So that's what BG and AG stands for. So the new employee or the future employee is not the ideal PhD or a master's student but a master's student who knows how to use Google. Mm. Yeah, I was reading it or listening to a podcast where uh, someone was saying uh, they have an amazing assistant, right? And someone said, oh, how do you choose an amazing assistant? And he says, one word, librarians. Yes. It says people have gone through a librarian track of knowledge. Those folks are exceptionally good at researching, keeping, of course, you on task. Absolutely. Um, project yeah. managing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's um, That is one aspect that um, that always impresses me, the, the concept of project management. Um, as technology evolves, project management has not involved, uh, evolved the same at, at the same level. Hmm. We are still perhaps catching up to how we define projects and how we measure projects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Projects, in my opinion right now, are being managed by feel, feel of the leader. It could be your division leader, your CEO, or whoever the manager is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think uh, having the concept of project strategy is better than calling it project management. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be a product, project strategist than a project manager mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because project strategy can define the objectives and goals way faster. Mm-hmm. Um, what about OKRs? Have you used those in the past? Yes, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. And it, what do you think? It, it depends on where you want to use it. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you use it? Right. So, um, again, it's the same concept as objectives and and key results. Right. So, and have you found them effective? Uh, I think. How so? Uh, well, some people have found sort of mixed results sometimes. They are helpful in organization, and sometimes they can add a little bit of confusion. Have you been in a lot of organizations that have had OKRs or worked with other organizations that have had OKRs, or have you recommended OKRs uh, to some teams? 
I'm not in the business of recommendations anymore. <laughs> Never have. That's not that's not my cup of tea. I, you know, um, every situation in business is so unique that uh, using um, cookie cutter solutions is difficult. It's difficult. It's just you know, business have, has evolved so fast. There are more businesses. Like look at Victoria. We have over 800 or close to 900 technology firms. Yeah, but. Um, you know, a handful of them are successful. Yeah. Um, the other handful have have managed to raise the right kind of money to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. But um, how are they going to use utilize this opportunity? Mm-hmm. Is going to be unique to each firm. You cannot go out and say, you know, let's use this formula for you to become this successful, and then you spin out. It just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, what have you seen in the last 20 years in Victoria? Because uh, I've, I was here, you know, 20 years ago and uh, it was a lot more sleepy and it's incredible now. It, this technology boom has just come out of nowhere in my eyes. Um, as of five years ago, it's now the number one industry, um, over 900 startups and over $4 billion industry. Um, what have you seen in the last, say, 10, 20 years here? It's it's funny, but now again, my perspective is we're moving from the sleepy stage to the dreamy stage. So hopefully we wake up soon and then make things tangible so that then we can get up, brush our teeth and go to work. Uh-huh. Um, so we are still in the, in, in the dreamy mode. Let's, let's dream up the proper solutions before we start waking up. We're not up yet. <laughs> um. Uh, Dan Gunn calls uh, Victoria a magnetic city, um, one that is sort of this new crop of cities where like Boulder um, and other places um, where it's a little bit more uh, smaller, um, but still has a very vigorous, uh, you know, technology uh, sector. Um, What do you see are the needs in Victoria now for it to be much more successful? First, let me begin by saying, you know, uh, all of Victoria and the region owes um, Dan Gunn a big thank you. He has put us on the technology map um, of the world. He's, um, I don't know him very well, but, you know, I read a lot about him and, and you know, I've um, seen how he's gone about um, positioning Victoria to the world. And, and he's right that, you know, we are quite the unique proposition. There is no other organization like his that has the potential to take us to the next level. They uh, they they have the foresight to bring uh, you know uh, the educational institutes with the large employers and the potential folks. There are so many success stories locally that that begin with a meeting with Dan Gunn at Viatech. So um, I think collectively. Um, we all owe him a big thank you. Now, having said that, um, you know, Viatech has done, has brought our our city uh, from, you know, just a few technology-based solutions to, as you say, close to 900. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, for us to have, I'd rather have 200 or 250 successful organizations instead of 900 organizations that are in the field of technology, which will come, which is coming. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we, we ha- now, you know, thanks to UVic and, and Royal Roads and, and Commotion are, are uh, presenting to 
future employers um, the ability to hire locally and grow locally. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is, again, a huge factor that, yes, brings us in par with Colorado. I use the same uh, the tentpole technology or, or analogy or, you know, how Boeing works in, in greater Seattle area, where once you have a mainstay organization, it, once we get um, a, a, a local success like Google in Victoria, that will spawn a whole bunch of these smaller organizations that that can that can learn and and evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, in the greater Ottawa area, that's what RIM did, Nortel did, and that's I think Victoria is ready for it. Mm-hmm. Do you think we have one among us already, or do you think that is yet to be seen? We have, in my opinion, at least eight or ten companies that have the potential mm-hmm. with the right kind of financial planning that can become, um, if not the Googles of the world, at least the Netflixes of the world, mm-hmm. right? So um, we can get to that level. We need to believe in it. We need to have a little bit more spring in our step, and we need to um, end or finish up with our dreaming and wake up. <laughs> right. Um So we need more CFOs, are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> well... No, and yes, uh, we do need we need we need finance to be part of conversations. We need people to understand that it is not just an idea. You, now you need to start paying mortgages. You need to hire people, and how are you going to pay the mortgages? How are you going to buy your your next office? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so all jokes apart, yes. You know, if if you are a serious company, you better you better get a CFO. Mm-hmm. At what stage should someone get some CFO advisement, and where could they go for the smaller startups that are just gaining some traction? They see an idea as not just a dream; uh, it has a market. They are getting again some market validation. Um, where could they go for some advisement? Uh, on that, you know what? Uh, so I, I, I'm, I'm looking at that right now of mm-hmm. setting up a solution uh, for smaller organizations that perhaps cannot pay uh, to get that service. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Viatech provides a really good um, uh, solution, or used to provide a really good solution. I don't know if that's still around or not. As I said, um, I, I don't know the organization very well. I just I've read a little few things about all the. Uh, good things that they've been doing over the past uh, decade. But um, um, I think having uh, a CFO club, and um, I have been uh, working with some of the local banks to make sure that um, we can create folks like myself who are semi-retired, who can help these smaller companies um, communicate with banks, communicate with investors, and, and create a financial strategy that's sustainable. That's great. And do you see that CFO leadership as strong in Victoria? Oh, yes. We we do have some amazing uh, accountants in town. And some of them who are recently retired as well are are, are amazing resource mm. uh, because they bring international experience and they, they bring corporate experience that, that would be quite necessary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I found that as well. Victoria is entirely unique in that it is small, um, attractive, 
great environment, um, great weather, um, incredible school system, and international airport, and international experience. It's a very unique city. It, yes, yes, it is. I, I think Victoria has very few parallels right now, mm-hmm. and it's 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 time for us to to take advantage of this mm-hmm. and monetize it. Yes, <laughs> spoken like a true CFO. Um, let me take a quick break um, and uh, thank our returning sponsors, uh, Roundtable Consulting. Uh, Roundtable Consulting serves organizations in providing facilitation and research, as well as business and strategic planning needs. Um, If you're looking for a CFO or someone you could bring in, uh, I think they would probably be a good start, uh, something along those lines. Uh, Roundtable Consulting also helps with reconciliation from building a more inclusive workspace to diversity training. Uh, please learn more about Roundtable Consulting at roundtableconsulting.ca. My thanks to Roundtable Consulting for their continued support. Uh, Raman, I'd like to switch gears here uh, to some conversations we had in the past, which was qualifying potential clients. Um, you've helped me in the past um, in my new business role, a business development role of uh, uh, that involves a lot of cold calling. <laughs> and um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of folks out there who also are having that need as well, especially if you're a startup, maybe you don't have the resources for creating the top of the funnel, marketing qualifying leads. Um, so you're having to work towards uh, the bottom at sales qualifying leads. Um, what What's some of that advice that you'd uh, give folks who need to qualify potential clients, starting with a cold call or a cold email. So again, I'm going to stay away from advice, and I'll just share my experience. Um, so from from a, um, qualifying a client perspective, that I think is the biggest mistake most of us make. Hmm. Um, it's 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 not a client. So you have to identify a client or a potential uh, to do business with. And you have to understand if you can actually service a need. Having a transactional uh, relationship would be necessary in certain businesses. So, uh, but from where I come from and what the businesses I I was involved with, um, building relationships based on trust, um, having the capacity, um, right selling yourself are important factors. You, when you first meet a client, it's it's not that you're trying to pitch your idea, but having a 30-second elevator pitch is quite important. Mm-hmm. You have to go in and, and, and explain who you are and what is it that you can do. And then you have to hear. I think most people fall flat over there because they want to get their 30-second pitch across and then they miss the opportunity. To communicate, um, communicating with the client involves understanding their need, understanding what is it that they're looking for, and perhaps they have somebody who is doing stuff um, uh, or providing a service to them or a widget to them that uh, that you can do better. But appro- your approach is important. Your approach always has to be backed up. You need to make sure that you know you are at the same wavelength. And at the right level, um, if you're selling a service that does not engage the 
CEO or the CFO of an organization, don't pitch it to them. Mm-hmm. Pitch it to the people that 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 can enhance their job or their position by using your product or services. Mm-hmm. And then create a business case. Each and every employee of each and every organization is an independent business. They need to think in those terms. Mm-hmm. They need to think in terms, or we all need to think in those terms, of how is it that we approach a potential, um, for lack of a better term, sale. Mm-hmm. It's not really a sale. It's you're providing a service. Mm-hmm. And is that service worth their time and money mm-hmm. for the client? Does that make the process better? Or are they just shifting from a, a regular product to your product? Mm-hmm. And when you are in, 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 in the field of technology where you're, you're generally talking about advanced solutions or, or, or solutions where you have some IP, mm-hmm. That is where understanding the client's needs and having a strategy to follow up is very important. Yeah, one thing I learned recently from Jeff Bajorek, uh, a lot of good information there on um, prospecting and um, and whatnot, which is uh, be better at explaining what you can provide as much as you're asking the client to um, imagine making a, making a choice to you. And that was something I hadn't considered before, which is you're asking something of the other person, which is to consider a switching or B adopting, but in some way you're asking someone to change. Yes. And I hadn't thought of sales or business development in that way. Well, people who do succeed. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm moving towards that. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I, I, I had never thought of sales in that way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Being, being mindful of what you're doing, mindful being the, the new buzzword or, uh, you know, I, I actually believe in it, that, that you have to be aware of what you're doing. That's what it comes down to. You have to be aware of your solution. Mm-hmm. And you have to be aware of your client's needs. Mm-hmm. Once those two awarenesses, <laughs> is that, if, I don't know if that's a word, but if there's alignment in awareness, right. I think that is, is where you, you're successful. Awareness synergy. Awareness. <laughs> Let's use all the buzzwords <laughs> that we've heard. <laughs> right, 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 for sure. Um, is, are there any... Um, books that you had read that really had uh, stood out for you in in this way that people could reach out to? Uh, you know, uh, for me, it's not the books, but, um, you know, reading the Wall Street Journal every day or um, uh, reading The Economist mm-hmm. has been more um, helpful uh-huh. because obviously from my field and, and, and my knowledge, I like to enhance that more from a macro more than the micro level, right? So I need to know what's happening in the world mm. and how that can impact us in Canada mm-hmm. and in our province of British Columbia and in our city of Victoria. You know, I've had that advice given to me before in the past about the Wall Street, subscribing to the Wall Street Journal um, and The Economist. And at times I had subscribed to both and, um, uh, you know, taking that advice, of course. And I found over the course of six months or so of having the Wall Street Journal, I almost felt myself overwhelmed in 
data points drowning in a new environment that I couldn't really, you know, um, wrap my arms around. Um, is when if someone else out there wants to make that leap, uh, and I would say the Economist was actually <laughs> doubly so or triply so. The Economist is just has an incredible amount of information, but if someone's right. making that leap, how can they best, you know, um, get their feet underneath them? You know what? That that that's a very good point. So I do. I read uh, with a with a strategy in mind. I will now. I'm a financial investor investor for myself as well, and so I will read the Wall Street Journal for certain aspects of that, the financial aspect. But here's what um, I do: I do not read it until the end of the day. So I'm not reading to get ahead of other people. I'm reading to see what the reaction of that would be, because you know, obviously, there's information everywhere, and you're you're bombarded by information all, every day, all the time. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're taking a step back, and you're reading about how the week went uh, through economists, mm -hmm. or how the day went through the journal or any such uh, high quality newspaper that you believe in. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 then see the impact of it. So there are certain articles you want to read in the morning, certain articles you want to read in the evening. So you can get overwhelmed if you think you're going to absorb all of it. You will be more effective if you know what you want to read. Mm -hmm. There's always a table of contents, <laughs> and you always know that some days your brain does not want to read anything about politics or technology or or finance, and all you want to read is you know what are the what are the latest uh, jeans fashions or whatever it is, right? Whatever interests you. Right. So that's to be disciplined is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did find when I was reading the Wall Street Journal is much more. Um, helpful just to read that left-hand column. Yeah. Instead of getting into the detail, you just have more of a, a broad aspect. So if you don't read it in the morning, what do you read in the morning? How do you start your day off? I um, So as I said, I'm an investor. I start my day early in the morning. So 4.30 to 5 o'clock, I start um, working with CNBC or, or, or sorry, uh, watching CNBC, mm -hmm. uh, reading the local and national and regional news, right? So, uh, um, and 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 then I have certain goals of investment and certain fields that I invest in, and uh, so I'll do analysis based on that. And uh, so that's that's my uh, time until about six forty-five. Our markets open at six thirty, so I do engage in the market from six thirty to about six forty-five. Sometimes until seven o'clock. Mm -hmm. Then it's time to um, to uh, take the kids to school, get ready, get the breakfast and all, all the good stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, 8.30, I'm at work wherever I am. And uh, I work until about 1.30 or 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock normally is my finish line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I would go prepare to go pick up my kids, take them home, um, spend some time with them. Um, be my silly self, whatever silliness I need to do with the kids. Mm -hmm. And um, and then, obviously, after 9 o'clock, I like to do a little bit more. That's when I start reading the Wall Street Journal. 
Oh, so I'll read from nine to to bedtime. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, how do you prepare for the next day? Do you find yourself writing a plan of action during that time period? Yeah. So uh, I'm not. Um, um, I, I I can't plan for the next day. I I do have goals for the week. So uh, my goals normally are defined Sunday afternoon and Sunday evening. And then I follow that plan. And then Wednesday, I do a little bit of a check and see if I'm on point mm-hmm. or if I need to readjust. So um, otherwise, uh, it's easy to just chase things instead of managing or being in control of your life. Yeah, that's very easy, I found. Um, that's interesting you say that about Sunday afternoon because when I was in the Navy, I heard a chief say that as well. The secret to my success is I give the Navy my Sunday afternoon, and that's really planning your entire week. Exactly, and and you know it's yeah that's well said because I'm glad that the Navy does that. So I've learned from the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not 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 such a bad uh, mentor. No. Um, and then uh, uh, one in- interesting. Um, business advice or planning advice I had read and I've been following recently is to have a three by five note card in your pocket. And the night before you go to bed, write down three things you want to accomplish the next day, which it seems easy, but getting three key things completed in one day can sometimes be a challenge or sometimes you can get, again, like you're saying, lost in the sauce, right? Mm. Um, Distracted by everyday uh, activities, needs, uh, pulled in various directions, getting sucked into your inbox. Do you find uh, your your workday is you start with those biggest problems first, eating the frog first thing in the morning, for instance, uh, doing the biggest challenging thing first, or do you head right into your email? Hmm. You know, it's uh, that's that's a really good point. Uh, let me think about it. So I I prefer keeping things current. Mm-hmm. So um, I would not really uh, prioritize or, or create compartments of I'm thinking right now, I'm doing email right now. Uh-huh. Um, I, guess, uh, I guess I'm more um, fluid mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> in, in uh, adapting to what, what the requirements are. Um, I've always had a natural intact or instinct to understand importance of any action. So if, if there is a need to do something right now, I would do that first. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know how to map that. How does that affect other actions? So I, it's, it's, it's almost like golf, you know, it's, it's basically, Everybody swings a club, but not everybody hits it uh, hits it straight. Not that I ever do, but uh, <laughs> but but you know. So the action is the same for everybody, but that small nuance of how you connect with the ball. In our in my case, it would be connecting with an issue. Mm-hmm. Is that nano microsecond that that defines my progress? Mm. So I hope I answered your question, but I I. I wouldn't know how else to to define that. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you say that about golf. I just read recently that Niklas was saying that uh, he imagines where he wants the goal, uh, ball to be, 
the goal, essentially. And then he works his way back to the ball and in his swing. Or our favorite uh, Wayne Gretzky. Yes. Uh, be where the puck is going to be, not where it is right now. Beautifully said. Um, let's wrap it there. Um, Raman Kapil, uh, where can people learn more about you? Hmm. Um, they can go on my LinkedIn LinkedIn page. So Raman Kapil, R-A-M-A-N-K-A-P-I-L. Uh, look me up on Twitter or um, my Twitter handle is Raman underscore Kapil. Um, and uh, my LinkedIn is rkapil. So I look forward to uh, answering any questions people have. Wonderful. Thank, thank, you, Sean. thank you again for joining us. And thank you again for, again, our returning sponsor, Roundtable Consulting, uh, who serves organizations in providing facilitation, research, as well as business and strategic planning needs. Uh, our intro audio was done by Manjinder Benning. Our uh, audio support was done by Quadratic Sound. And thank you again for joining uh, Coded in Canada. And look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now.